Well, Matt, I'm sick and tired of being tired about tires. It's time to talk some tires, though. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, race fans all around, welcome to Talking Dirt episode number 17 with, of course, myself, Ryan Williams, uh, the voice of Sumter Speedway and a few other things as well. But joining me once again this weekend, this week here on the program will be the voice of the Common Man's Racer, the big papa of Marion, South Carolina himself, Mr. Matt Bridge. And Matt, how you doing this week? Doing good, man. How you doing? I, I thanks for asking. Not, nobody ever asks me anymore, Matt. Thank you for asking. Um, I guess I'm all right, working like a dog. Um, yeah, you got home a little late tonight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I was kind of worried we weren't going to get to record. Yeah, man, it's currently almost 9 p.m. Just getting home from work and uh, made, made a little bit of money today, so I'm happy about it. And uh, speaking of making a little money, uh, we got some drivers that are going to make a little money this weekend. Uh, Frankie Fry Memorial at Sumter Speedway, over $1,000 on the line in both street stock and super street, possibly late models if we have enough show up, and other classes getting bonuses out in the wazoo as well. So at the top of the program, if you don't have any weekend plans just yet, make your plans to come see me at Sumter Speedway this Saturday night. Uh, but Matt, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, and what's going to dominate most of this show is tires. Of course it's tires. It's been tires all year. It's going to be tires again tonight. But more importantly, a situation that was breaking news yesterday uh, between the Ultimate Super Late Model Series and more so their series director, Kelly Carlton, and uh, Chris Ferguson, Chris Ferguson's father and Chris Ferguson's brother. This story broke uh, around 3 or 4 p.m. yesterday. And the gist of it, Matt, was that a couple of weeks beforehand, uh, Ferguson and company had had inquired about what tire they could run on the right rear, and Kelly was mandating a a Hoosier D70, right? But Ferguson was unsure of the D70 that he had because, uh, from his wording, they were wanting to use tires that they already had in storage and not go out and buy tires for an event. Specifically, they're trying to do a little cost-cutting, save some money. I totally understand it. It's happening all over the place right now. So they they send Kelly a picture of the tire and and ask him about um, if they can run it or not. And the consensus at the time was as long as it says D70 on the tire, it's legal. Okay? So Ferguson runs it in the USA 100 up at, up at VMS and absolutely dominates, takes victory over, uh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, Steel Block Bandit competitor Matt Russell Irwin finished second in that race. I think he was running a supermotor, but but still, uh, Russell Irwin finished second there. I believe uh, Zach Mitchell. I believe Kid Quick Zach Mitchell finished third off the top of my head without looking. Now, after the race, there were tire samples taken on Ferguson, of course, because he was a winner of a big race. There was a picture taken of the tire, and I believe they did one other thing. Um. One other thing to send it off to Hoosier to have it checked, of course, for tire dope and whatever else. Now, on the day of the race, it was said that by Ferguson's camp, so this is just one side of the story right now. Um, I'll get into the other side here in just a minute. But it was said by Ferguson's camp that a series official came over, looked at the tire, marked the tire before qualifying is good. Okay? Marked the tire. 
saying that it was good for the race. It was it was a good tire. They can run it. Okay, that's mm. a big part of this story. Big part of the story, because after the race, after all is said and done, we fast forward to Wednesday, and the Ferguson camp uh, gets word from I suppose Kelly Carlton himself that in fact the D seventy they ran on the right rear was not the specified form of the D70. It was an older compound, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's what it what it yeah, exactly it was. Um, is that it was just an older compound, not the one that Kelly had specified for this race. But the question then arose, why why would it have been allowed to run in the first place? It, 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 and it gets trickier from there. Because Ferguson was then disqualified from the race for supposedly running the wrong tire, the win awarded to Russell Irwin. So, A, congratulations to Russell Irwin. B, it kind of feels, just reading the one side, that Fergie got robbed. Um, He then went on to say in a post that he no longer plans to run any ultimate dates and that Kelly Carlton's um, reputation and all has been tarnished because of this. Yada yada yada, and the the Facebook um, fans have been very, very, very outspoken. I'm not gonna lie. I never expected Chris Ferguson to do something like this at all. I mean, this. I, not. I'm not saying what he did is right. I'm not saying what he did is wrong. But he did. I mean, air out everything on that. You know, names but, uh, and all. Like, I mean. But I'll be honest, I, I you did know. pretty much exactly what I would do in the same situation, or probably you would do in the same situation. Matt, if you go out and you win a $20,000 race, being told beforehand and during, I mean, I, during no, 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 that your tires are good. Don't don't get me wrong. Yes, there would be a, a post made on Facebook about it, but I mean... I, I believe I yours would be a little bit worse than a few more curse words, if I'm being honest. Well, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at T... <laughs> is directing the problem towards one person. There's more than yep. just this one person involved. Yes, of course. I mean, yeah. at you know, when the guy when the when the series official marks my tire, that is stating that this tire is legal to run. Exactly. So if it's not legal to run, it shouldn't have been marked. Mm-hmm. So I mean like I said, it's not just the one person. I, I, I kind of don't like how he singled him out, but I mean, it is what it is. Well, and part of the reason that he singled him out is because in the post, he stated that they had spoken to Kelly specifically, and Kelly told them as long as it said D70 on the tire, as long as it was a D70, that they could run it, right? If, yeah. As long as it was a spec D70. Now, what he's saying now is that they had the wrong form of a spec D70. It was an older compound. Uh, as I guess flip from the newer compound. I don't know. I really don't know what the difference in the tires is, but he's now saying that it was the wrong tire, therefore disqualified him. And then, uh, as Chris also stated in his post, Kel, uh, he asked Kelly, you know, then why would your official come and mark it and say that the tire was good? And Kelly then responded, well, he doesn't know what he's looking at. He just marked the tire. Which... That makes the series itself look horrible, in my opinion. To yeah, and to to say and or admit that 
one of your series officials doesn't know what they're looking at, and that was a mistake, um, if he really said it. Now, it, it could be a crock of bull, I don't know. Um, but I take it at face value and saying that I've never known Chris to really lie about anything. So, right. And, I, and again, that, that's my problem. You know, you know, Chris Ferguson has a big voice mm-hmm. in, in the dirt late model community. Um, he, he makes this post, people see it. They're like, well, I don't want to support them. And then they go, you know, and, and I'm not saying they, don't deserve it or they do deserve it. I'm not I'm not trying to pick a side here. What is what I'm getting at? But you know, it's I don't know. It's all just a messed up situation. Yeah, it, it 100% is. And after that post by Chris went out, gain traction pretty much went viral in the racing community. Um immediately, you saw hundreds if not thousands of people putting up I stand with Fergie, Fergie was right, blank, ultimate, blah, 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 this, that, and third, everything, dude. Absolutely exactly everything under the sun. Saying. Absolutely everything under the sun. But then, at around 5.30 uh, in the afternoon yesterday, a statement was put out by the president and owner of the Ultimate Super Late Model Series, Stan Lester, and um, he said pretty much this. Uh, he has tried to make a meeting with Chris, his father, and his brother. Um, and he'll probably do that next week because they're off racing the North-South 100 right now. Um, but he wants to go over the entire situation with them and try and come to an understanding. And uh, then he said a few ch- uh, a few choice words that I wouldn't have said. He told everybody to chill out um, so they could get to the bottom of everything. Uh, so, I mean, that that's the only uh, thing that I see that Ultimate has said about the situation. Um, I haven't seen, I'm actually going to go check really quickly and see if Kelly himself may have said anything about this situation. Um, and no, and I, th- I, I agree with the ultimates here. They need to have a meeting about this. This does not really and truly need to be public information. This should be between the, the Ferguson team and the ultimate team. I mean, nope. I, really and truly, I, I, I don't agree with with anybody really airing stuff out on Facebook like that. But, I mean, you know, people feel how they feel and express themselves how they want to, I guess. Exactly. And, and the funny thing about the whole thing is I was wearing a Fergie shirt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you did. You texted me you were wearing a Fergie shirt when he won. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was wearing when the news came out. Oh, were you? You were wearing it yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. That's, that's interesting. But, I mean... You got a point. He he really probably shouldn't have posted anything just Because there's, there's uh, him going back to him having the big voice. I mean, there like you said, there's hundreds, thousands, whatever comments, you know, bashing the Ultimate Series. And most of those people are having their opinions, you know, based on bias. And it, I don't know. I, I, I like to see both sides. I, yeah, I, I really do. I'll, I'll agree with you there, Matt. It's... It, it's it's interesting to see it's it's almost like fandoms are a cult. I mean, you see it in all walks of life. As soon as one person says something, the, the people that have supported them, they're not going to go look for the facts of the situation. They're going to blindly agree with that what that person said. 
and they're going to jump in and just repeat their narrative over and over and over. And that's kind of what's happening here. But at the same time, it kind of looks like Fergie's onto something. So I can't, I can't say at all that I disagree. At at this current point in time, I can't say at all that I disagree with what Chris said. I can say, however, that I would have personally waited uh, until I knew all the facts, until I had a discussion with the series about it, um, before I said anything negative or potentially harmful to that series. Because, I mean, just look at the facts. Ultimate is one of the fastest growing um, super late model series in the country. Right, they're doing a lot of stuff right. right, but at the same time, this puts a big, big, big blemish on what Kelly and Stan and and Blake and everybody else is doing. And I really hope that they can recover from this. I hope they make the right decisions going forward, and I hope that the situation gets resolved somehow. Yeah, that that'd be the best, man. It. It's just, I hate it's going on because, you know, Chris was on there talking about how they they were, you know, he considered him, a, you know, a friend. Yeah. And, of course, Chris was the, I believe, 2011 Ultimate Champion. He's been doing this super stuff now for a little over, I believe, heck, he's almost closing in on 12, 13 years doing this super stuff. And he he's run Ultimate a lot. Like, a lot, lot. And he ran them consistently for almost six, seven, eight years there. And I remember the the first race that I watched him in person was an ultimate race. He happened to win it. Um, was he in the Stout 21? No, he was he was oh. in the 22 car. He was, I remember um, the Stout 21 car, man. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yes, it was. And But no, this was, um, I want to say it was 2019 maybe. Um. There was one of the memorial races at at, Ga- at Cherokee, um, maybe twenty, maybe early twenty twenty. The first time that I saw him race in person, because you guys got to remember, I didn't really get out and go to different tracks and all. There was no super racing at Sumter for quite a while, so we didn't really see Chris Ferguson come about. Um, so yeah, but the, I traveled up to Gaffney for an ultimate race. Chris won it, um, and I actually. Uh, me and Bumper Jack, Jack Craig, did a tour, uh, a tour of Chris's hauler at the time. You can go back and find that on uh, Bumper Jack's Between the Walls page, and you can just see me in the background asking Fergie about some stuff. And that's when I actually asked him on the camera. I was asking about his iRacing setup because I was just not getting into iRacing. And at that time, Chris had just been given uh, or had bought an extremely, extremely beautiful iRacing rig. And he was telling him about it on that after I asked him about it. And I, I told him, you know, you should make a little one and fit it in the hall. Or it was a laughing point in the video. But, um, yeah, I even got him to sign a T-shirt, which I'm still waiting to do a giveaway. Hopefully he shows up at Sumter one of these years and I'm able to make that happen. Or, heck, I might just do it in general with his permission. Might just give away an autographed Chris Ferguson T-shirt. And But getting back to the story here, Chris, one of the, he's one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet, man. Oh, yeah. And, Oh, for sure. I, I've talked to him, and, and I know he he don't ever remember me because who am I? But he um I've talked to him several times, man. I he he hooked me up with the seat I got, man. He gave me a heck of a deal. I hit him up on Instagram, and he gave me his number. We talked it out, and he like I said, gave me a deal on it. And um, I you know I got a couple of those mini door panels autographed by him, and 
Yeah, I got one from uh, when he's... he went up to Eldora. I got I, I got one of those mini door panels. That thing looks sick, dude. I want to get him to sign it and give it away one day. And when uh, I went to Charlotte earlier this, earlier this year, he um after the drivers meeting, I you know I went over there and talked to him for a little while, and you know I, he's an awesome guy, man. He he really is. He's he's definitely a role model in the sport. Most definitely, yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of guys. You talk about role models in the sport. A lot of guys with with lower follower accounts have potential to be role models for the next generation of racer because. I mean, even locally, man, even locally, there are so many guys that just don't give get enough of the spotlight, you know, which is yeah. why here at Talking Dirt, Matt and I, we're trying to use our platform to help grow some of these guys. And if you guys don't remember, that's the whole reason Talking Dirt was started in the first place, where I would sit down with, you know, the the lower ranked drivers, like the street stock drivers, the Thunder Bomber drivers. Stock V8 at the time, the Extreme 4 drivers, just anybody who was willing to have a conversation, I'd uh, bring them up on race day before the races and do a, a 10 to 15 minute interview, just letting fans get to know these guys. And that's kind of what Matt and I have rekindled here on the program, as you saw our interviews, or heard our interviews with you know James Murphy, with Blake, with, with Hunter Weaver, who's another announcer that's doing great work, and... That's that's kind of been the mo of this this series so far. I mean, Matt, I talk to guys that that should have way bigger followings just because of how good a people they are. Man, Banks Johnson comes to mind. Derek Lane comes to mind. You come to mind, even though your interview never made it out because my microphone was screwed up that night. <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> Y'all, oh my gosh, Matt signed his first ever uh, autograph that night. He. He pulled out one of his Matt Pridgen hats. First two. First, First two. two. Yeah, you signed one for uh, your buddy Jerry as well. But Matt pulls out a, a Matt Pridgen hat, signs his name on it, places it on the top of my head. And I don't <laughs> think I, I I don't think I took the hat home with me. No, Jerry still has it. Jerry still that's right. Jerry still has it. Yeah. Jerry still has that. What did you sign for? Was it my phone case or something? No, no, no. There was a um it was a guy walking around when we first got there and got set up. He was uh he was just getting autographs from all the drivers. He thought you were a super driver. No, no, no. <laughs> Literally all the drivers, even street stocks. Oh, that's pretty There was cool, a lot man. of signatures on, on, on that uh, flyer. Is it, what it was, cool. it was, I think, it well, wasn't it the first Mike Duvall Memorial? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it was a, it was that flyer, and he was just, like I said, going around getting everybody to sign it. That's a pretty interesting idea. That'd be cool. I kind of want to do that. Thanks for the idea, Matt. I'm doing that at, at one of our big <laughs> at our clash race. I'm doing that for a giveaway. Thank you, sir. See, that's where my mind goes with some of these stuffs. As a person who helps promote a track and all, you're always constantly seeing ideas and trying to replicate it and turn it into your own form in order to make it work for your racetrack. Like the uh, there's just, there's just been so much stuff, man, with Sumter Speedway and all that I've done this year, and it's great to see our following growing. Uh, partially because of it a lot of it i know i'm not gonna i'm i'm not gonna get an inflated ego i know a lot of it's not me a lot of it's the racing we have some of the best racing in the country at Zumper speedway and i will i will fight that to my death i will fight that to my death we've had some amazing finishes this season we've had some great racing you know the only racing at something that kind of sucks matt what's that late models that's the only racing man i swear to you that's the only class 
that for some reason just can't race side by side. For some reason. And I, I still haven't quite figured out what it is. Maybe because they're a little bit wider than the other cars. I don't know. But with, but I'm telling you, still, they put on great races because they're just so tight. Nose to tail the whole time. Even though they're not side by side, they're still battling. You you get that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Dude, I well, do can it. You explain that for <laughs> can you explain that for people who don't understand that concept? That so, when I say people, when, they're battling, but they're not side by side yet. It can be a train race and still a good race because mm-hmm. with with these cars, you know, they're getting sideways. I, when when we're going through the corners, it could be to where my nose is in front of their left rear tire, and it's just that that close, tight racing. And then Sumter, you never know; people can slip up there so easily all the time. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, it's you know, you never know what's going to happen out there. But like I said, it's it's always good racing out there. And it's always a battle. Doesn't matter if they're side by side, one in front of the other, whatever. Because that guy is sitting there battling the other man, trying to get in his head so that he makes a mistake. That's why you'll see guys go in, they show the nose. And showing the nose has and always will be an intimidation tactic as far as racing is concerned. Right, Matt? Oh, yeah, it is for sure, man. It, I know me personally, I don't know if this is how it is for everybody else, but me personally, when... I know there's a fast guy behind me. I I tend to overdrive it, mm-hmm. and I end up spinning out. I I mean, point. I I got a. I, it's funny. I got a video in uh from 2020. Me and uh, cousin Johnny uh, rented Lakeview one one day, and we went out there. And he he got behind me, and I could hear his motor, so I thought he was right on me, oh. and. Uh, <laughs> I started overdriving it, and I ended up spinning out. I got it all on video. It's, it's you know what I'm going to do for you there? If you're hearing motors and overdriving it, I'm getting you a set of earplugs that you have to put in, like you have to put in over your receiver, so you can hear the receiver, but you can't hear anything else. I have custom molded. Whatever, same thing. We got to find some way for you not to hear that because oh, yeah, that, that's, I mean that's been your biggest thing over the past couple of years. You've progressed a lot as a driver. But you seem to get throttled in certain situations and then start over overdriving, overthinking yourself, you know? It, and that's just something that I've noticed with you. And I believe, dude, really, once you kick that habit, yeah, those, those wins are coming. But that's the biggest thing. My man. dad tells me that all the time. That's the biggest thing that I've noticed with young drivers, man. The biggest thing that I've noticed. And, of course, I... I'm no expert. I haven't been around for 30 years, but I know a good driver when I see one. You you get that when you're watching, I don't know what, Matt, 500 races a month. Yeah. Like, you, you get that. You know who has potential and who doesn't have potential. Like, the guys that I'm watching now locally at Sumter, there's a lot of guys that I'll say he has all the potential in the world, like James. James is so cool, calm, and collected behind the driver's the wheel that the right amount of money, the right people, the right car behind him can go anywhere he wants. Anywhere oh, yeah. and be competitive. And I'll say that forever. Dalton Hodge, another one. All the potential in the world with the right people, the right money, the right car, the right equipment can go anywhere in the world that he wants. And there's a lot of guys in these lower ranks that are just now coming up that have a ton of potential, untapped potential, because they're still so young. 
They're just now starting to learn. There's the Blakely boy in, in Thunder Bomber. There's, you know, Terry Wayne Caples in Street Stock now. He's got he's got the people behind him. He's got the money. He's still figuring out who he is as a driver. And right now he's on the cusp of it as he's been really, really fast since switching uh, to Street Stock. You know, it, there's just so many guys, man. So many and it, guys. And you're one of those. It's funny you mention, you know, young people. So not necessarily. Uh, so the beautiful thing, in my opinion, about dirt late model, professional dirt late model racing. Okay, so let me start with this. NASCAR, they're they're looking for what? 18-year-olds. They're not yep. going to look at some guy that's been racing for 20 years who's 39. Right. You know, they're not going to put any money into them. No, they're going to bring they're, in for maybe a backup driver position, you know? Right. Professional late model racing, you know, i.e. World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, XR, yep. whatever. <laughs> there, I mean, not really. You can, if you got the money to do it, if you're in the in the position to do it, you can go out there and you race professionally in, in the top level of dirt late right. model racing. So, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be a young person. No, I mean, dude, you look at you look at your World of Outlaws, <laughs> Lucas Oil competitors, even ultimate competitors, your your average age is probably in the mid to high thirties. You know? Right. It's completely different than an old NASCAR or anything else. Your your average guys, I mean Davenport's in his forties, uh uh Kyle Strickler in his high thirties. You look at Kyle Larson, he's still on he's one of the youngest of the bunch and I believe he's pushing thirty. You know, and it's an interesting dynamic to see that switch that um, instead of looking to uh, find talent to develop like you can in the NASCAR ranks, these bigger late model teams, they're looking for guys who are already ready to go. They're not looking right. to develop drivers. I mean, there's certain teams. You look at uh, Big Frog Motorsports who are taking a leap on Astro Winger right now. Uh, the same as Ron oh. Warner took a leap on Brandon Overton a few years ago. What's that, Matt? Whoa. Uh, you said Ashton Winger for yeah. Big Frog? Yeah. Yeah, Ashton Winger's been driving uh, the Big Frog 58 now for four weeks, maybe? I'm not what sure. What happened with him and G.R. I'm not, Smith? I'm not sure. That's I, that's out of my realm of, of knowing. I have no idea. All of a sudden... I didn't know this happened. Yeah, all of a sudden, about three weeks ago, I started to see that Ashton Winger was popping up in the Big Frog 58. I guess they had a split uh, with Mark Whitener, the Magic Man. Yeah, they've been uh, they, split with him. Yeah, so they split with Whitener, and they bring in Ashton Winger, and since then, Winger has been consistently in the show, consistently top 10. Very good. And I'll say that Ashton Winger's a great driver. Um, Ashton Winger's their second driver since Mark Whitener. Is he? Who was the other one? I, dude, I don't even remember his name. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it, it could have been the guy that owns the car. I have no idea. But I know that uh, Winger's, I know that Winger's driving it now. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with the GR Smith partnership with him. I haven't heard anything. Of course, I'm not really in that circle. Um, but and other teams as well. The uh, the uh, gosh, man, Devin Moran. Devin Moran's only what 21. Hudson O'Neill's 22 or 23. Um, Spencer Hughes is a young kid. 
He's now driving for PCC Motorsports. Oh, Garrett Smith too. Yeah, I mean, Garrett, I, I, I was watching. Smith, I was the, watching yeah. uh, a video of him racing the other day, and I'm like, this kid's still in high school, and he's out yeah. here at Cedar Lake, yeah. racing. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Garrett Smith is a nut, and he is good. He's, he's young, he's raw, but he can be developed, and he can be very, very, very good. Um, and well, and he doesn't that. he's got his, his family team, though. Exactly, but I'm still saying he can be developed into a great driver for that team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what team it is, as long as he keeps developing himself and working on his game, uh, the the mental aspect as well as the physical aspect of actually driving the car, he could be he could go to the moon, man. He had a great weekend at Cedar Lake, um, battling and that up there. track up in Wisconsin. They've been racing at this week for uh, XR, I think. Um, Gondic Law, he's mm-hmm. up there as well. Mm-hmm. Good I deal, think I yeah. saw him. I uh, I saw it on the Hunt the Front video. I I want to say I saw it on that video I watched today. Oh, Hunt the Front's yesterday. up there as well. Yeah. How about old Hunt the Front? Old jo- Justin Joiner. Justin Joiner, what did, what did he do? Qualified second in his group and then uh, skipped <laughs> out on the, to to the, the scales. scales. Yeah, man. In the, that, that's how you video, know. In the video, he said after he crossed the line, he was looking at the infield to see if people were lining up to go over the scales. And then he said, well, he came around one and two. He looked up at the scoreboard, thought he was second, and completely just disregarded the scales. He said he was just too happy about the second place qualifying. Uh, that's how you know he hadn't done this enough, because he didn't even think to go to the scales. I mean, it don't matter if I'm second or 21st. I'm still going across the scales just in case everybody else gets disqualified. Yeah. But no, Joseph, Joseph was pretty good. Um. I believe he got a fan provisional to race um, at Cedar Lake, and that yeah. didn't go all too well. I think he ended up pulling off after only a couple laps, said he didn't really have anything to hang with, with the big boys, which, I mean, they've they've got a, they've got a pretty good backing right now. So we'll see how he does at Gondic Law with the, uh, the XR Super Series. That's a pretty cool series. If you've been watching any of that, Matt, I haven't, uh, but I I've heard a lot about flow. it. It's not on Flow, it's on uh, Race XR, XR Plus. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot about that series. They're paying really big money. So somebody's got some deep pockets somewhere, and I want to get those deep pockets. I want to know who's got the deep pockets and how to get them to come sponsor a race at Sumter because uh, that would be freaking awesome. And and speaking of... Uh, Speaking I would love of something, to see a race like that. That's what I'm Sumter. saying. It's Sumter, that's what I'm saying. Speaking of something, do you think that if if one of these big late model series had a race at Sumter, like World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, XR, whatever, do you think that it's a tricky enough place that the bigger names would struggle and one of your locals or p- people who have experience at Sumter would win? Oh, for sure. <laughs> they sure. I, I feel like I feel like they'd struggle at Sumter. I honestly do. I feel like they would struggle. I I kind of agree with you, but but then again, we saw Ross Bales a couple of years ago, back in 2020, when he was driving for Big Frog, show up at the Carolina Clash race to yeah. end the season and absolutely wax tail on everybody, you know. And then, of course, Zach uh, Mitchell this year. Oh, I'm getting to that. Okay, and then you had Banjo in the um, in the summer of 2021 for Ultimate. He 
dominated that one with a 525 against some of some bigger super late model motors. Then you had uh, Anthony Sanders come out and dominate Carolina Clash at Sumter. Um, and then you go to June of this year, and like Matt just said, uh, Zach Mitchell, great run for, for him that night. He dominates the Ultimates there. But then again, I'm thinking that some of these smaller guys like a Zach Mitchell, like an Anthony Sanders, like a Banjo Duke, like a Ross Spales now that he's in the Billy Hicks 79 car, like a, a, a Michael Brown or you know anybody else that's really from the state and, and knows something or has raced there, they'd have an advantage over you know Shane Clanton if he were to come for a race, over Jonathan Davenport, whatever, whoever, really. I think that if they were to come run a place as tricky as hard to get around as Sumter, that those guys with experience would definitely have an edge up when it comes to racing against the guys that have more money, more equipment, more horsepower, whatever. Um, and really, Matt, the big thing here, I think that if you put the right person in a 525, they would win that race if we had the World of Outlaws at Sumter. That's just my personal yeah. opinion. Um, Now, I heard, I, I have dirt vision, so I do a lot of watching on there. And I personally haven't heard them say that the the announcer say this any anywhere else, but they were at Gaffney the night Michael Brown won, mm-hmm. um, and they made a comment saying that whenever World of Outlaws comes to the Carolinas, they absolutely struggle staying in front of these these local guys. Mm-hmm. It, you know. So, I mean, there's some tough competition out here. And I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it until my dying day. The racers in the Carolinas, North, South Carolina, and we'll throw Georgia in there. I'll I'll include Georgia. I'll say our wing of the Southeast. We have, hands down, the best racers in in the tri-state area. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. I firmly believe that we home, house, and produce the best racers in this country yeah i i felt like that for a long time man i i just i i might be biased about that because of where i'm from you Mm -hmm. know we're from here but i don't know i anytime i see these big races come around here i'm always seeing the local guys up front oh yeah oh yeah and you think georgia i mean georgia has a lot of them in you know davenport clanton uh, there's quite a few others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but you look at South Carolina, you got Smoking Madden, you got uh, obviously Chris Ferguson, now Carson Ferguson in that mix as well as one of the top regional drivers. Michael Brown in the in the conversation for one of the top regional drivers. Um, ben Watkins. Ben Watkins, yeah, Ben Watkins is great. Um, you look back at Georgia, Brandon Overton, Cody Overton in the conversation for one of the, the best rookies out there right now. He's had a, quite a few great runs. I mean, and hey, there's plenty that come out of North Carolina as well. Uh, they're just all over the place, man. You even think about some of your steel block competitors. Um, I mean, Willie Milliken out of North Carolina, I believe, Matt. Is it North Carolina or Virginia for Milliken? He's in North Carolina. Okay, so yeah, Willie's in North Carolina. And by the way, speaking of Willie, i got to stop yeah, it real prayers quick. Out. Prayers all the prayers in the world out for for Willie. Uh, I, w- I was told that he had an incident where the car dropped off of of the jack, 
or the uh the i guess was it the lift gate or the jack or do you know anything about that matt uh i'm not sure what happened i know he had like uh, i want to say he had like contusions on his ribs or something is oh, what wow. i saw oh yeah he was up under I the car yeah, yeah he was he was up under the car working on it it fell off the jack um yeah prayers for willie i hope it's a speedy recovery but uh back to what we were saying i mean you just got so many guys Especially like your steel, your steel block racers, your limited racers, out of the Carolinas. Oh, yeah. Dustin Mitchell, I mean, best. oh my gosh, Dustin Mitchell, Michael Rouse. Yeah, Dustin is having the season of a lifetime right now, Matt. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it, but I mean, you also look at guys like Daniel Tucker, who's really good at Fable, really good at Lakeview, really good at at County Line, really good at a lot of other places. I mean, you look at other guys that race Lakeview that are extremely good, like. Uh, Christian Thomas, for example. There's so many, so many amazingly gifted, talented racers coming out of the Carolinas. And uh, just about all of them that you named off, I believe if they decided to go straight super racing and just do that, I think they could, you know, they could do it and be successful with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not just saying, well, like Ultimate and Clash, I'm talking about XR, Lucas, World of Outlaws. 100%. Yeah. If if any of these guys got the financial backing to go do this full time, I think that they would hands down be competitive, especially uh, Dustin Mitchell, uh, Daniel Tucker, uh, Dalton, uh, Dalton Wilson, another prime example. Dang, we should get right over him. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Dalton and Ethan. Ethan's doing pretty good in, in his number five car right now too. But especially Dalton, now that he's actually following, I believe it's Lucas Oll, he's leading them uh, for their rookie of the year contention. I, I mean, yeah, Dalton's kind of proving that that we produce some of the best young talent out there, and it's just a testament to the the level of competition in this state, man. That the racing is always good, no matter where you go. Just about, I I, I couldn't point to any dirt track in South Carolina and say, man, they have terrible racing. It's never side by side. It's always dominated by one person. I mean. Sure, you look at Sumter when a certain couple of people show up. You know, your Banjos, your Holloways, your Hank Taylors, your Drew Sheelys when they're having a good night. They usually are pretty good, but when you and mix, count the Mintzes. Yeah, okay, yes. You you look at late models, you look at Justin and Austin Mintz whenever they're... Not just late models. Okay, yeah, Mod 4s too. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and, and, you know, Miles Mintz. Yeah, Miles Mintz and Mod 4 too, but... Whenever multiples of those guys show up, it's always a great race. You know, like this weekend, Frankie Fry Memorial, we should see. You know, your Holloway show up, your Hank Taylor if he's if he if he's coming. Uh, they're they're trying to get ready for Mississippi, so I'm not quite sure if they're gonna show up just yet or not. But your banjos that'll show up, your Drew Sheely that'll show up, and a few other. If those guys tangle with each other and put on the race that we're expecting them to put on. This is going to be a big weekend for Sumter Speedway, and, and I really hope that all of you are planning on coming to see us. Um, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, I I just wanted to prove that point, Matt. The Carolinas produce the best racers. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how we got to this point from the uh, Chris Ferguson situation here in uh, 40 minutes. How do, how, do we get, how do we get anywhere in this <laughs> podcast? We just talk. But, that's, that's what we do, Matt. But one thing I wanted to say about that is – you know, one thing that, you know, maybe Hoosier could do to help is 
stop making so many different compounds. Right. Stop production on all of them. Make one compound. All the series race that one compound. That'd solve the tire shortage for sure. Because then you're you're not spending time over here and over here and over here. They're making a lot of tires that aren't all the same compound. If imagine if they made all those tires one compound, how I don't think we'd be struggling to find tires right now. And then, but but you got to think about that. They'd need to do a more than just one compound because you're running a different compound on your right rear than say your left front and all, but maybe you're not. Some people are, some people aren't. I mean, what, what I'm thinking is go to maybe not, not the hardest, but a harder compound. So that way you're not, you know, wearing, and, and you, we talked about this in the, when we were talking to Hunter, you know, they went, they put everybody on pretty much the same exact tire, and it has put out some phenomenal racing. Yeah, it has. And if series were to do that, the racing would be and would get a lot better. I'll, right, I'll and I, th- I think there'd be less issue and question on what tire to run because you don't have a, a stockpile of tires anymore. It, I mean, I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. I, no, it is. It, it absolutely does make sense, Matt. I, yeah, it, it makes sense. I just, I don't know. I feel like that would temporar- temporarily solve a few problems if they were to just stop production of 20 different compounds. I don't know how many there different ones there are, but... Probably more than know. 20 at this point. Yeah. So. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't really add anything else to... To that statement, yeah, this this tire shortage, they need to do something drastic in order to end it so that we can get back to uh, racing as normal uh, because that's what everybody wants around wants around the, the southeast, at least. I don't know about the entire country, but I know that's exactly what we want is, is back to racing as normal because, man, I really do believe that it affected the, the car count at, at VMS for the Ultimates because... You run a twenty thousand dollar to win race, and you only have twenty two cars. Uh, that's that's not ideal for a, a super series, right? But uh, of course, in that race, um, yeah, I guess the win goes to Russell Irwin there for for the time being, at least. Uh, the Commonwealth Bandit, a big twenty thousand dollar payday, and I believe he's still in the hunt for the uh, the Steel Block Bandit uh, uh, per, uh, points win as well. Excuse me. Um, and speaking of steel blocks, Matt, they're they're going racing. I believe it's this weekend, right? They're they're co-headlining with the uh, with the Topless Outlaw series up in Tennessee at the Gap, the shootout at the Gap. They're calling it, I believe, biggest payday in steel block bandit racing history. Eleven thousand dollars going to be on the line for the bandits and the Topless Outlaws. Come race time on Saturday, so an exciting night up there. You're probably going to see some of your veteran drivers, you know, Ronnie Johnson, the Dirt Lake Model Hall of Famer, come out and support them in his number five car. You're probably going to see most of your your normal steel block competitors. I don't think Willie's going to make it. They they were saying that he was going to be like a game time decision type deal. But, I mean, you're going to see your Derek Quaid's, your Russell Irwin's, uh, your your Tyler Bears, another young driver who is – uh, definitely turning some heads right now from those uh, steel block bandit ranks. 
uh, is Tyler Bear. He's been, he ran the, the USA 100 at VMS. He was doing really well with the, the Southern National Series, the couple of races he ran with them. Uh, that's a young man that has a ton of potential out of, uh, out of Virginia. Um, but yeah, Steel Blood Bandit's going to be a big show up at uh, Volunteer Raceway Saturday night. Uh, a couple of the big races coming up around here, Matt, as well. I believe Lakeview hosting the Ultimate Super Late Models amidst all this controversy. Uh, what are you kind of expecting right now? Then I'll tell you what I'm expecting as far as you know, car count goes and uh, crowd turnout for this event. Well, I don't think this controversy is going to have anything to do with car count or you know putting people in the stands. I really? honestly don't know. I, I don't. The, the people at Lakeview absolutely love late models. They are diehard late model. Oh fans. gosh, yeah. And and when supers come to town, you daggone skippy, they gonna be there. You and I honestly at Lakeview, I think you're right. At Lakeview, I I don't know. I'm expecting you know probably sixteen to eighteen cars. I'm not expecting it to be a full twenty four car field, uh, primarily based on the low car count that they had at VMS. Um, yeah. And people not being able to find tires, gas still being quite high for diesels, um, and a bunch, tremendous amount of factors. But going forward, what's going to make or break this series for now is how they uh, react to respond and come back from this, this situation that has arose. Again, I don't think they need to... <laughs> I, I personally don't feel we need to know... <laughs> I think they they just need to come on and make a post saying we have resolved the situation. That's the best thing they can do. And we are moving forward from this point on. That's that is the best thing they can do, but what I'm what I'm saying don't, is I'm worried yeah. that they don't do that. That that's the point that I'm trying to make right now is that I'm worried that they they don't do that that they drag it yeah. out that they stay quiet for too long. Now you're they need to stay quiet for now, but they cannot stay quiet for too long. They have to get this situation resolved. They have to make Ferguson happy. Um, right. And of course, I mean, at this point, I don't know if there's any making him happy. And now this is the situation of a, it's it's out there. Everybody knows about it. It's been mm -hmm. big news. I mean, like you said, you can't stay quiet for it too long. No, absolutely cannot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they they play their cards from here. And if I know one thing, it's that Kelly Carlton is a super, super smart man. It's that Blake has the, the the wits about him to try and and uh, make light of this situation and and move forward in a positive way. So best of luck to the Ultimate Series uh, for what they've got coming up in the future. Still a lot of big races for them this season. So uh, yeah, best of luck to them for recovering from this uh, from this PR blunder that they're facing right now. Hopefully that situation gets taken care of. And everything can move on smoothly because, man, I would hate to see the downfall of such a promising uh, young series like like we're seeing yeah. with Ultimate right now. It, it would be absolutely catastrophic to the racing industry right now. And while we're on the topic of Lakeview, um, might as well go over some results, right? Go for it, yes, sir. So <clears throat> I attended Lakeview this past Saturday, um, and I would I would just say. It, it felt like I was at Sumter Speedway with all the Sumter people there. <laughs> I mean, Sumter absolutely invaded Lakeview this weekend. That's my boys, man. That's my boys coming in strong. But, um, so 
for the SCDRA front wheel drives, you had Jason Brown winning, Dalton Hodgins yep. second, Allen Ridgeway in third, Kyle Jenks in fourth, mm-hmm. and Andrew Raven rounding out the top five. Right. Then we will move over to uh, 602 Modifieds. Okay, so before I go over the results, there were uh, 10 cars that started. Mm-hmm. They take the start. They take the green flag. They go out into turn one, and everybody piles up. Ooh, yeah. And the car, the cars that were in ninth and tenth, mm-hmm. were now first and second. Oh wow! Yeah. So that being said, I I just want to say that was the first time I've ever seen a whole, like pretty much ninety percent of or however eighty percent of a, a field pile up like that. Right. Uh, with that being said, your winner was Albert Brayfield. Uh, second was David Victoria. Third was Dustin Watkins. Fourth, Jason Calkins. And fifth was Donovan Jackson. Then, mm-hmm. let's see. Your stock V8s, uh, they had Rocky Gasquey win. Um, Tom Lovett won on the track. Right. Post race tech. He was disqualified. I'm not sure for what, but he was disqualified, which put Rocky Gasquey winning, Blaze Bryant second, Ian Padgett third, Scott Lewis fourth, and Mark Compton in fifth. It's interesting that Ian Padgett racing stock eight at, at Lakeview and being really good, he was super fast in street stock at Sumter. They ran, he ran that car in street stock at Sumter and qualified top five just a couple of weeks ago. Of course, the uh, the feature didn't go the way that he planned it, but it's it's just interesting to see the these stock eight cars at Lakeview they are competitive with street stocks at Sumter. Um, and speaking of street stocks, um, Daryl Moran Daryl Moran finally back in victory lane, um, and a strong run by the twenty two of Terry Caples. Man, he was on Daryl the entire time. Uh, they they had a they had a great race going, which the street stock. And you know, as a race in a whole was a good race. Um, and then another Sumter local, Dalton Dabbs finishing third, uh, Tyler Dole finishing fourth, and Christian Patterson rounding out the top five. A couple of more of our guys that were were there that are Sumter locals. You had uh, Tanner Rodonis posing as Clay Sims finishing tenth. I believe uh, Blake Rowart comes home with the twelfth place finish after pulling a classic Blake Rowark move and not turning his transponder on for for qualifying. Again, that's something different in his car than a lot of cars, Matt. Blake has a, a built-in transponder system to his car. Really? That, yeah, not a lot of people run it. Um, that's fancy. And, and probably for the reason that Blake is probably regretting it now, you have to actually go up under the car and turn it on before you go out for qualifying and... Uh, a lot of times he has forgotten to do that, and I've been really hard on him about it, and he does it again, so I'm probably going to be on his tail uh, whenever he shows up to Sumter this weekend yeah. about it. Um, uh, another Sumter I'm, guy? What's that? I was going to say, I'm kind of, you know, I like my having my personal transponder, but I don't know about all that. Yeah, having I a know, personal right? transponder is nice, though. Oh, 100%. And then a couple other Sumter guys, you had Aiden Raglan come home 14th, uh, not sure what happened with him, with this guy. Matt, did you see what happened there with Cameron Holloway uh, in the 118? 
No, I could only see a little bit through three and four. Uh, couldn't see down either straight away. Couldn't see one and two or coming into three. Mm -hmm. uh, I just saw there was a caution, and then next thing I know, they put Cameron to the back. I don't, I don't know what happened though. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll he try was to running. Out. He was running second though when mm -hmm. that happened. <clears throat> well, I guess I'll try and find out from him next time I talk to him. And then your twenty-first place finisher, I guess, involved in the caution as well was uh, was Kevin Roark, another something local, uh, Mr. Clean in his 22K car. Uh, they got him here as Kelvin Roark, so I guess that might be an inside joke. But uh, still pretty <laughs> funny, Matt. What other races did y'all have at Lake Peak? The only other one that we have not covered yet is the late model race, which mm -hmm. Daniel Tucker absolutely dominated. Um, and then, you know, Dustin Mitchell finishing second, Brian Strickland third, good run for him. Uh, a Complete shocker to to me showing up here, finishing fourth would be uh, the professor Dan Brewer. Nice. Um, then fifth is uh, Christian Thomas. Uh, another surprise that I didn't expect to be there was the uh, double zero of Brandon Dockery. He finished eighth. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is kind of a surprise. Dockery doesn't usually show up there. Um, Johnny ended up 13th. He qualified ninth. Um, his car just, it wasn't handling. He ended up pulling in, uh, uh, Willie and Mason fin finished 14th and 15th. Now I didn't see it, but what I heard was they wrecked each other. That sucks. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Like I said, I couldn't hardly see, but of course, for that, those who that's don't what know, somebody told uh, me. Mason, the boss man price, uh, actually owns Willie's car, so they got tangled up together. That apps, that had to uh, make for a, a sad ride home. Well, I don't think that made the sad ride home. Well, Oh, hush. Yeah. Yes, I know, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, still prayers up for Willie. Hopefully his recovery is coming along nicely. Um, but as far as, like, you know, the new track configuration I got there, and I looked turns three and four, they had literally a four-foot-tall berm in three and four. That sucker was ridiculous. Did anybody get up there and use it? Yes, Johnny did. And oh, I God. wish I wish I had my phone out because that sucker was turning some RPMs when he did. He uh, he about ran, ran into the berm one time in the race. He uh, went through the center of the corner. He was trying to use the high side to pass people. Uh, just went and uh, he, he got around Willie uh, on the high side but couldn't, couldn't get around, uh, I think it was, can't remember who it was in front of him um but close call <laughs> close call with the berm um one thing i wish i wish the first groups of cars that went out there would have tried the high side because after say about seven or eight cars have been on the track there was uh marbles all over the top so at that point there <laughs> really wasn't nobody going up there I think if they were to put cones out there and force people to go up there, I think you'd have some some good two three wide racing out there. Yeah, man. I, of course, yeah. It, it, I, I kind of I like the new track configuration that they've got going on. I think that uh, that Timmy and Scott and everybody involved did a great job. Of course, it still needs a little bit of work, as they've admitted on Facebook following the event. And as other people have uh, have pointed out, the track did still uh, get a f get some characteristics in it, especially in turns one and two. I will and say it wasn't bad. Three and four looked pretty smooth. One and two, it, 
It wasn't as bad as it was last time I was there. No, it um, definitely from video. It, it was, it was a lot. Bad. It was a lot better. I, it didn't get as I thought it would have gotten a lot deeper, but it didn't get that deep. Uh, it, it just it just threw up a lot of sand when people went through it. Uh-huh. Uh, but but I mean, it put on for, for some good racing, though, man. And they they were saying that they're going to put a lot more work into the track, put more loads of dirt in, and and a bunch of other stuff. So big things coming for Lakeview. Um, Big things coming for Sumter as well. We've got a lot of a lot of stuff that's going to happen here in the the near to distant future. So y'all be prepared for that. I can't quite spill the beans on it still, but a lot of cool stuff coming for Sumter Speedway as well. And Matt, I believe the only other uh, the only other race that was happening in the region here was the uh, the second annual Bradley Lambert Memorial up at Lawrence County Speedway, and uh, it started on. I believe Friday night, if I can pull it up here, the Bradley Lambert Memorial. See if I can see night one from Lawrence County Speedway. So they just ran a couple of features on Friday night. Uh, Young Guns main event saw Braden McDonald go to Victor Lane over Carson Taylor and Randy Clark Jr. Thunder Bomber Future main event, uh, Justin Wren, Tyler Smith, J.J. Williams round after top three. And then you jump to night number two. They ran all the rest of their main events. Um, Thunder Bombers started off the main event action with Dylan Chapels going to victory lane over Billy Rushton and Matt Gilbert in the 10 car. Uh, 602 crate main event. So High Side, or no, High Side's his son. Well, actually, yeah, High Side's his son. So Lee Cooper goes to victory lane in the 71 car. Kevin Stevens goes second place. And High Side Luke Cooper Son of Lee Cooper comes home in the third spot there in the 602 crates. Front wheel drive main event, Justin Harris goes to victory lane over Trenton Jameson and Troy McDonald. Your top three monster mini stocks, 25 cars take the green flag, and it is won by Hot Rod Rod Tucker. Driving the number four car, Logan Ritchie second, and Harley Holden comes home in the third spot. And then your limited late model main event to round out the night. Eight cars take the green flag here. Larry Timms goes to victory lane in the 07. Nick Dietz second. Colt Smith comes home in the third spot there at Lawrence County Speedway for the Bradley Lambert Memorial. Congrats to them on another successful memorial race there for Bradley. Um, But yeah, man, it's coming to the point of the episode here that we're going to wrap it up here momentarily. But before we do, we got to tell these people that uh, you and I had another blast uh, last night uh, hosting and broadcasting the Southern Outlaw Auto Racing Association over on iRacing. Uh, this time from New Smyrna, it was a, it was a first time track for both you and I. But uh, but these guys put on a heck of a show, even though it was single file for most of the race. Yeah, I mean it. Like you said earlier, you don't have to be side by side to be putting on a good race. Mm-hmm. Absolutely um, not. And as far as my announcing, I. I didn't talk over you this time. You, you yelled at me last week for that. No, you didn't. And, and just being <laughs> candid, the one thing that we're going to work on with you going forward is putting excitement in the voice, you know? And not uh, saying, not, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, uh. sure. But we're going to work <laughs> on your, your um, the, the character of your voice, just not having you here the whole time at a monotone, you know, j- just like this the whole time. We're, we're going to get you up here and... Get excited, you know. We're we're gonna work on that, you and I together. We're gonna make you uh, announcer extraordinaire here in, over the next however long we do this, because we're gonna have some fun with that. Uh, next week they're gonna be broadcasted again. 
uh, I believe, at Five Flags, which is down in Florida. Going to be another first for me and probably a first for Matt. But uh, oh yeah, we did see a good race. It was dominated by the 11 car of uh, of Hacker. He went to Victory Lane there. You can catch all those interviews Seven for the top three. lead. Yeah, seven seconds was the margin of victory. But 80 lap screen as well. 80 lap screen to checker. You're right about that. But that had a lot to do with the battle for second that lasted for over half the race. So a lot of things went into went into Hacker's uh, big, big win. So congrats to Brian Hacker. You can go and uh, listen to all those interviews and whatnot and the entire race broadcast over on the Talking Dirt TV uh, YouTube page. It's right there for you to see. And uh, again, back with them next Tuesday night at 7.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the Five Flag Speedway down in Florida. Going to be an absolute blast. But as far as uh, coming to see me or possibly Matt this weekend, you can catch me at the toughest little dirt track in the south at Sumter Speedway as we host the fourth annual Frankie Fry Memorial. Going to be a big, big weekend. One of the big questions is if we'll see our first repeat winner of the Memorial as far as the marquee races go this year. The marquee races being Super Street and Street Stock, both $1,019 to win with added bonuses, I might add. But your your winners in the past, um, Street Stock has always been the main one. It's been Andy Stewart back in 2019. Banjo Duke in 2021, and in uh, or in 2020, excuse me, and in 2021, it was Everett Dunlap out of Concord, North Carolina. So we're we're eager to see if if those guys, all of them, show up to race once again, and maybe we will see a repeat winner. But it is very possible to see a brand new winner of the Frankie Fry Memorial. So make your weekend plans now to come and see me over at the Tough Little Dirt Track in the South for. More information on Talking Dirt, you can follow our page at facebook.com forward slash Talking Dirt. Uh, for more information on Matt's potential uh, return to racing, you can check him out on Facebook as well. Matt, it's uh, it's uh, Matt Pridgen Racing over on Facebook, right? Yeah, Matt Pridgen Racing. Matt Pridgen Racing over on Facebook. Matt's also got Matt Pridgen Racing on YouTube. And you can also check us out as we <laughs> make some broadcasts and potential live streams over on youtube.com forward slash talking dirt TV over the next however long that we do it. Hopefully it'll be a forever thing just like this podcast. But guys, remember, go ahead, give us a rating down below. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever else, uh, leave a review. If you'd like, refer to a friend and uh, I guess help us continue to grow this growing fan base here for the talking dirt podcast. But for my broadcast partner, or podcast partner, excuse me, Mr. Matt Pridgen, I've been Ryan Williams, and we will catch you next Thursday night as we review yet another great week of racing here in the Carolinas. See you guys.